The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited. How about a tool that predicts when will be the best time to apply a treatment to your root crop? If you're able to say to a grower when to apply and when not to apply Qantas, I think that, that hopefully gives the, the grower more confidence to use the product. We'll look back at the huge contribution to farming and the environment made by Leaf Chief Exec Caroline Drummond, who sadly passed away a few days ago. What she packed in to those 58 years is absolutely phenomenal. She gave so much to the industry and she still had so much more to give. Plus crop, livestock and grain market reports and the weather for the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, I'm Steve Orchard, back after a couple of weeks in the sun, although the tan's already fading. Thanks to Andy Marsh for looking after the shop while I was away. Hope you're enjoying the Jubilee weekend, if you've managed to get a bit of extra time off. Potato and potentially other crop growers can now get advance warning of the best time to apply the biostimulant Qantas. Syngenta has introduced a heat stress alert system. And to tell us all about it, Syngenta technical manager Andy Cunningham. Andy, firstly, for those who don't know, what is Qantas? So Qantas is a biostimulant that we have. It's Syngenta and it can help a crop grow in conditions that it might not otherwise have wanted to. So that could be maybe improving crop quality, uh, improving nutrient efficiency, but with the likes of Qantas, it can help it grow in abiotic conditions that might otherwise make it more stressful. Now, they are environmental conditions, which includes heat. So why is heat such an important factor with a potato crop? So potatoes are what's classed as a, a cool climate crop, so it likes cool temperatures. We are going through a period of climate change and the Met Office are saying that we're going to have more frequent and more intense heat events going forward. And it's these heat events that can scupper a crop like potato to grow as, number, as normal as it would have otherwise have done. Take, for example, its photosynthesis. It likes temperatures anywhere around 24 uh, and below. When we start looking at temperatures over that, that's where it's going to start reducing the amount of photosynthesis going on. That is how you create the sucrose that is then passed down into the tubers. If you're reducing photosynthesis, you're reducing the amount of sucrose that goes down into tubers to bulk them up. And that's obviously how you, you build the yield. What Qantas does, it allows it to grow in conditions that it might not otherwise have wanted to, creating them sucrose that then goes down into the tubers. And so you're maintaining the yield at the end of the day. So what does the Qantas heat stress alert tool do then? How does that work? The prediction tool is something that's unique, I think, in the biostimulant sector. If you're able to say to a grower when to apply and when not to apply Qantas, I think that, that hopefully gives the, the grower more confidence to use the product. It's all based off some work that we did with Nottingham University last year that showed that an application of Qantas applied 24 hours before the heat event that turned up can allow a plant to maintain normal function. And then that showed that you were able to maintain a significant increase in yield. So is this an alert right. tool, an app, or how does it actually uh, alert you? So the app is a web-based tool. Once you've registered the field and you've, you've registered your email that you want an alert to be sent to, you'll be sent an email alert that will say to you, in so many days, you're going to have a predicted heat event and to get the Qantas applied preventatively. OK, so how accurate is this going to be? Are we talking about per field, per town, per county? So the weather stations that we have 
uh, access to are all over the country. Uh, you probably have a weather station that we can use within a mile of where you put your field. So it's going to be very unique to any field that you put into this. Um, you can go from one side of the town to the other, and you may have a different prediction of what you're going to have, which then gives us that more accuracy around when to apply Qantas. Okay, and is this specifically aimed at potatoes? Would it be suitable for other crops? Work that uh, Knock University did did prove that although, yes, Qantas worked on potatoes, is something that also can be translatable to other crops. Now, we are looking at the likes of sugar beet, for example. We've seen some data that would suggest that we're having the same benefit in that crop. So that's where we're looking at with Qantas. But it's been in time, we're focusing on potatoes, getting it, getting it to be uh, working correctly so that we can have that confidence in the market uh, to then explore other avenues as and, as and when, probably next season, Steve. And where can we go for more information on this, Andy? So if you go to our website, syngenta.co.uk slash Qantas, and that's where you can get access to the tool as well. So once you get on there, register up and uh, hopefully you can get your alerts and obviously you'll need to order some Qantas as well. But uh, there's plenty in stock, so as and when you need it, get it ordered. All right. Andy Cunningham, Syngenta Technical Manager, thanks for joining us on the farming programme this morning. No worries. Thanks very much, Steve, and hope you all have a good day. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Do you consider yourself to be a fit farmer? A quick reminder that entries for Britain's fittest farmer close tomorrow, Monday the 6th, with the qualifiers on the 18th and 19th of June. Well, too bad I'm busy those days. Details at fwi.co.uk. And next Sunday, apart from being Open Farm Sunday, sees the Wolds Tractor Run, raising funds for the Marie Curie charity. Pete Cook is the main man organising the event. Pete, before you tell us a bit about the run, why Marie Curie? I took the run over from our old... uh... Uh, fitter that worked on the farm. Unfortunately, he got cancer and passed away about two or three or four years ago. And uh, his, him and his wife did a lot of work with Marie Curie, as well as the tractor run, and it was just the chosen charity and another another event to be able to raise some money for it. Tell us about the tractor uh, run then. When and where and what's the route? Right, well, what happens, uh, it's all on the 12th of June. At Cordwell's uh, farmyard in the middle of Ludgrew, halfway between Louth and Grimsby. And uh, we'll accept tractors from 7 o'clock in the morning in the yard. There's breakfast catering on hand so they can have a bacon bun and a cup of tea. We like all the tractors registered in the yard that are coming by at least 9.30 for a 10 a.m. departure. It's £10 per tractor driver. The whole of that goes to the charity. Uh, we provide a roast bun dinner at dinner time as well at our stopping venue. And they also get a little silver uh, steel plaque uh, to commemorate the day as a memory of the day. We leave Ludgra at 10 a.m. We take a, a scenic route through the Lincolnshire Wolds to our destination of the Oak Farm Sunday event at uh, Sutton Estates at Stankley Vale. How many tractors are you expecting? Any idea yet? We usually do 60 plus. We've had 80 plus in the past. Where could we go to find out more information, Pete? Uh, there is a Facebook website, Facebook Tractor Running Aid of Marie Curie. If you put that in the search box, I think it will come up with the website. 
And then also we put it on miniature tractor runs as well. All right, Pete. Well, uh, good luck with the Wolds tractor run next Sunday. Let's hope it's uh, hugely successful and you raise loads of money for Marie Curie. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Steve. Serials, one of the arable sector's biggest events, takes place this week with a programme of working demonstrations, the usual stands and exhibitors and some splendid food. Now, that's not the only reason why I'm going, but it is one of them. It's at Duxford, Cambridgeshire on Wednesday and Thursday. Do let me know if you're going, farming at linksfm.co.uk and I might just buy you a coffee. All you need to know is at serialsevent.co.uk. Our crop doctor, Sean Sparling, has been walking the fields for us again, where, to my eye, it doesn't look too bad. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Steve. Nice to have you back. Yeah, things aren't looking too bad out there. Looking being the operative word, though, in some cases, because from a distance, all seems absolutely tickety-boo. But in some of these fields, things aren't quite so straightforward or rosy, and the weather has really suited disease more than it has farmers and agronomists. What do I mean by that? Well, let's start with some of the varieties of wheat, namely Kerin and Zayat in particular, but also in a couple of others, like Firefly, Incitor, for example. It seems to be these in particular are home to varyingly bad levels of yellow rust, Pachinius triformis, irrespective of some of the fungicide programmes as well. Zayat and Kerin in particular, quite bad then in places, particularly in fields where compromised T1s were put on, either from rain following application or onto a wet leaf, or where the fungicides were cut back in the dry conditions, but also where everything has gone on well and the rates were maintained. So as ever, and we always see some of these issues in some varieties every year, it's not everywhere. It's not even in all fields of those varieties on the same farm. But yellow rust is one of those diseases which will always express itself. And by that, I mean, even if the crop is clean and free from rust when you apply your T2, for example, if it has latent yellow rust within the leaf, the fungicide will kill it within that leaf and the leaf will die off where the rust was going to show through. So you do lose leaf area without the pustules ever expressing themselves and some of that lost leaf of course is going to regenerate because as the ear rises the field will appear greener anyway that will stop your neighbours commenting but you do get some leaf regeneration but a lot of what happens next will depend upon what you used, when you used it, how much you used, what the weather did during and immediately after you sprayed those fields, and what the weather does from now onward. There's an opportunity, of course, to top up any foliar disease control at the T3 timing. But with first anthers presenting quite widely now in winter wheat, these crops are somewhere between growth stage 62 and 63 or so. And considering the wet and thundery conditions we find ourselves in, ear disease is a potential threat this year so you should always choose a product for fusarium or microdopium making sure that you choose a product that perhaps has some incidental rust control which will be a bonus remember if we get warm wet weather at flowering uh, of wheat where we are now in these sorts of conditions then it tends to be fusarium ear disease complex graminarum and culmorum the most concern here in the uk because fusarium culmorum and graminarum produce the toxin deoxynivelenol which is uh, or don as we it's easier to say as well as reducing the yield, of course, by infesting the ears and reducing both grain numbers and grain set. If you get cool, wet weather, it tends to be Microdochium nivale, which we find on trash and on straw debris. And why we're seeing more of that since min-till, no-till, low-till, non-inversion methods of cultivation gain prevalence, really. But Microdochium and Fusarium are also, of course, spread by infected seed. 
So Fusarium culmorum, Fusarium graminearum also infect the stem base earlier in the season, causing foot rot, and that leads to early senescence and again reduces yields that way. But both of the Fusarium species we're talking about release spores that infect ears now as the wheat starts to flower. Rain splash asexual spores or conidia for Fusarium culmorum if windblown asexual spores or ascospores are the source of inoculum from graminearum. So we with mintil leaving far more trash about in these fields and the current wet weather we're enjoying. We've got far more maize crops as well in the county, far more widespread on farm. That's why it's a big issue because there are massive amounts of fusarium spores produced on maize debris. So it's a perfect storm really for a bad fusarium year in 2022. If you add into that the fact that there are very few varieties which have an awful lot of resistance to the ear disease complex, you can see why timing of that that T3 is so important. Prothiaconazole, tebuconazole, metconazole, they're the best for the ear diseases then, but timing is absolutely crucial. As I said last week, as soon as those first anthers appear, you need to go as soon as conditions allow if it's wet, and it is. So you've got about 24 hours to do the best job you can do. Just ignore how recently those T2s went on. These crops are romping away now. So the T2 was for foliar disease, the T3 is for ear disease. And even if you time that T3 perfectly on the perfect day with the perfect rate of the perfect product, about 50% control is pretty much as good as ear disease control gets. So in a bad year, that doesn't look like any significant control out there in the field. So keep your fingers crossed and say your prayers as well, and that will only help. Septoria levels then in wheat, pretty low, but again, some varieties much worse than others. But if you've timed the programme well by looking at the crop growth stage rather than just going by the calendar date of the 15th, 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 um, and you've used robust rates, then there's little more that you can do. Also worth checking those growth stage cutoffs as well for fungicides if you're considering a recreational T4 application, because that's what it'll be. Because the end of flowering, which is going to happen in about five to seven days' time in many of these crops, it means you're illegal beyond that point with most fungicides and pretty much unlikely to get your money back anyway from a T4. Now, the hailstorm moving on to sugar beet, which went through Lincoln Heath on Tuesday afternoon, has absolutely battered holes in what was looking to be perfect big leaf sugar beet. But hail damage on sugar beet, although it looks really dramatic, it rarely hurts the final yield, so don't worry too much. Not a lot you can do anyway. Winter beans, they're podding well. Again, the hails hit that quite hard. But disease seems to be pretty much in check, remarkably. Um, remarkably clean out here, actually. Spring barley. T2 is pretty much done on mine spring wheats. The flag leaf's now out in most cases on mine, so the T2 looming there will probably be in those next week. And don't forget to check the growth stages for growth regulators if you're using them. Crop safety should be your main consideration there. Peas, they're flowering widely now, so the first fungicide to manage things like Botrytis, Mycosphorella, as well as the other grey moulds. And of course, manganese in there as well, crucial at this time of year uh, to manage marsh spots particularly on the lighter, higher pH soil. Right, look, I'm starting to annoy myself now. So let's see what the next seven days bring. Thanks as ever, Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. If you were listening to The Farming Programme last week, you'll have heard Andy Marsh mention the untimely passing of a hugely influential figure in the world of farming and the environment, Leaf Chief Exec Caroline Drummond, who's died aged just 58. 
We spoke to Caroline on the programme several times over the years, most recently last autumn, and one clip from that interview coming up in a moment sums up Caroline's influence and achievements in leading Leaf for the last 30 years, including, of course, Open Farm Sunday. First, let's speak to Leaf Open Farm Sunday manager Annabel Shackleton and East Midlands ambassador Andy Guy with their thoughts and memories. Andy, good morning. Good morning, Steve. You and I have had numerous conversations over the years about Open Farm Sunday predominantly, but I didn't quite expect to be having a conversation about Caroline Drummond in the past tense. It's come as a really nasty shock, hasn't it? I was at Leaf's 30th birthday dinner early in May and Caroline missed it and sent her apologies. And so, you know, that rang some alarm bells, I think. But uh, yeah, very, very disappointed to, to hear the news when it broke. And as you say, 30 years, and Caroline's been behind Leaf for all that time and been involved in farming for a lot longer. That's right, yes. Her husband and, and she have a dairy farm in the southwest, and she's uh, worked in agricultural education, I think, before she joined Leaf, and she founded Leaf with David Richardson. And she's been described in various ways by various people, but every single one of them has been positive, you know, an inspiration, passionate, determined and so on. What are your memories of Caroline in terms of her contribution to the industry? We could use all of the words that you've just used, but I think the thing that most impressed me whenever I saw her is her ability to connect with people. You know, she could remember people, people's names and where she'd last seen them. She knew everything that she needed to know about them. And I think that's how she became so influential. She's, she was just that kind of person that, that uh, is a people person, I guess. Andy, thank you. Annabelle, it's hard to believe she's no longer with us and to die at such a young age, just 58. What she packed in to those 58 years is absolutely phenomenal. She gave so much to the industry and she still had so much more to give. Annabelle, Caroline's legacy will be huge, of course, not least of which for the success of Open Farm Sunday. She just so believed in linking farming and the public together which is where of course Leaf Open Farm Sunday comes in and she just drove that forward from 2006 um, when the first one happened you know she loved it she had time for everybody you know she'd go to Open Farm Sunday events and speak with farmers and see the visitors oh she was just an amazing lady. Open Farm Sunday of course is just a week away it will continue won't it? It most definitely will. And, you know, this year it's even more special. It really is that opportunity to link the public with farming, which was at the heart of Caroline's work, at the heart of Leaf's work and at the heart of sustainable farming. And we will, of course, continue it. And it's going to go from strength to strength. And she touched the hearts and minds of so many in farming and the environment at all levels, young and old. She would lecture at agricultural universities because she was so keen to encourage the next generation through to knowing politicians in the UK and abroad. You know, she was recognised abroad. Let's not forget that. The Women Economic Forum in 2019 gave her one of the Women of the Decade Awards for sustainable farming and her, all her contributions to sustainability. I spoke at length with Caroline for the farming programme last autumn. She always spoke so well and with such passion about farming and the work of Leaf that it was hard to find just one clip to play that sums up everything that Caroline stood for and contributed. 
I think this just about does it. There has to be something for everyone. So for farmers, it's that responsibility of trying to capture carbon, um, improve soil health, really reduce our fossil fuel use. It's actually making sure that we're resourceful in what we use. We make the right choices about what we eat. And that is balanced diets and improved health. And and all of those key areas are so critical. And then it's also ensuring that, that governments and doctors and research play their part as well. Because if we get this right then actually the challenges of climate change will really start to be reversed. And that is ultimately what we're trying to achieve. Caroline Drummond, founder and chief exec of LEAF, who died a few days ago. Thank you to Annabel Shackleton and Andy Guy. Open Farm Sunday, of course, is next Sunday, and I'm sure it'll be another hugely successful series of events and a fitting tribute to Caroline. Time for the weekly farming programme market reports now, starting with livestock and from Louth Livestock Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver. Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth, starting with the prime cattle, which saw just steers on offers this week. Top for F. Wallace and Son of Biscothorpe at 248 pence per kilo and gross £1,485 from the same good home. Moving on to the sheep, starting with the prime lambs, six or seven pence dearer on the week on the average season. SQQ of 327.21 pence per kilo. With a top for GW Allison of Thorsway at 357 pence per kilo or £151 per head for ME and MB Crowder of Torxy. Moving on to the hogs and a larger than expected show, so an SQQ of 220.45 pence per kilo. With a top for G Brown of Sturton at 283 pence per kilo or £149 per head from the same good home. Moving on to the call use, a handier number on offer. However, a dearer trade across the board sees an all-in average of £141.08, with a top for GW Allison of Thorsway at £218 per head for Beltex use. Store sheet now, and starting with store lambs, the first on offer for the year. See a top of £66 per head for A. Bartholomew of Mablethorpe, while user lambs top at £67 per life from the same good home for Herdwick Crosses. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week. A quick reminder that tomorrow, Monday the 6th of June, is our early summer show and sale of Prime and Cool Cattle and Prime and Cool Sheep, which has kindly been sponsored by Blankney Estates, Fibre Feed and Phillips Animal Health for the sheep and cattle classes. And it's also Store Cattle Week, so entries are being taken for all sections. Please do not hesitate to contact me to discuss marketing options. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market, and thank you. Thanks, Oliver. How have the grain markets performed this week? Openfield's Kit Dickinson takes a look. Good morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. We've had a short trading week this week due to the Jubilee Bank holiday. The week did start positively, but futures fell between £17 and £18 on Tuesday and Wednesday, bringing new crop values for feed wheat to just below £300 a tonne. So, depending on how much you have sold forward, it may be worth looking to price some if this market does continue to fall. Crops continue to look well across the county, with the general consensus being it could be an early harvest. So looking at barley this week, in the global beer market, there is now less optimism about the post-pandemic recovery in sales. Both the USA and China have suffered a decline in the economic activity and growth. With the need for significant increases from brewers and distillers, there is a real concern that consumers are facing a tough economic environment, which will reduce the intake of what is to be used. While the market remains hypersensitive to the outside influences like the war, our advice remains that, depending on the development of your individual malting barley crop, locking in even a small tonnage at a feed base plus premium has to be a prudent step. 
Apart from pools, less new crop malting barley in the free market has been sold forward at this stage than can be remembered in years gone past. The higher the wheat price goes, the further it will fall. When the bubble bursts, it must be a significant fall. Oil seed rape. This week, we can again see old crop having difficulty to find homes and new crop coming under pressure. All that said, there were still limited sellers before the prices weakened, so the market remained quiet on the trading front. The strength of veg oil prices is still underpinning the market, as well as the talk of crops concerns and tightening global supply and demand. Moving forward to prices this week, feed wheat for old crop June-July. Please speak to your open field farm business manager. But moving forward to new crop August off the combine, 270 to 276. Moving forward to November, we come out of the harvest pressure to 287 to 293. And May, 293 to 299. An indicative value for milling wheat premiums would be circa £30 for new crop at the moment. Barley for June and July, old crop 240 to 245, August 245 to 250, November 250 to 256. There is limited carry going forward in the market. Oil seed rape July 645 to 653, November 652 to 658 and May 658 to 665. Thanks as ever, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, a fairly settled week with some rain likely in the second half. Cloudy but mild all week with temperature highs in the mid to upper teens. Winds are generally light and variable but picking up from the southwest towards the end of the week as the pressure drops and we get some rain. Well, that's it for this week. Do let me know if you're going to cereals and or if you're taking part in Open Farm Sunday next week. Email farming at linksfm.co.uk and I might just see you there. I'm Steve Orchard. Until next week's farming programme, have a good one. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Unbroke Industrial Estate Grantham. Supplying the region for over 40 years.